Welcome to the 26th, the official podcast of the Mecklenburg County Bar. As an MCB member, we know you deserve every possible benefit for your dollar. Our focus is to provide exclusive insight and resources ranging from business development to member spotlights and everything in between. You serve the public. Now let us serve you right here on the 26th. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the 26th, an MCB podcast. I'm Robert Ingalls, and I'll be your host. This podcast is intended to serve as another tool among the multitude of resources afforded to Mecklenburg County Bar members. As such, this podcast will be split into seasons, with each season highlighting a different topic based on requests from MCB members. This first season is all about business development and features attorneys from all walks of practice, from large firms to solo shops, sharing their unique stories of building practices. We're going to hear what worked and what didn't, and where they see the future of business development going. Now, after you finish this episode, just click that subscribe button in your preferred podcast player, and you'll get notified when new episodes are available. Our guest today is special for me. She has been a friend and mentor to me for years, one of my favorite people to talk to, attorney Anne-Marie Pantazis of the Wilder Pantazis Law Group. Enjoy. All right. How are you doing today, Anne-Marie? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Oh, it's great to have you here. Uh, You are one of the first seven lawyers uh, that we are interviewing on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, when we were kind of working up a list of who we were going to have, I said, I don't think there's anybody better for business development, especially for having, you know, really gone out on their own and started from a small practice and and, and really built themselves up. I was like, we have to get Anne-Marie. I mean, if she'll take the time to do it for us. (laughs) Of course, for you, anything. And I really appreciate it. All right. So let's start out by giving the listeners a little bit of your backstory, like into law and then how you made it to private practice. Okay. The uh, 30 second short story version (laughs) of the 20 last 20 years of my life. So I've been practicing law for 20 years. Um, My background um, had a little bit to do with the law. My mom was a legal secretary growing up. My dad was a um, maintenance man, HVAC guy. So um, I was the first one to go to college. And my mom, being a legal secretary, had asked if I wanted to intern, you know, summers after school, washing dishes, filing papers, that sort of thing for the law practice where she worked. Um, And she worked for a a solo practitioner. So I said, sure. It beat waiting tables or (laughs) the other things my, my friends were doing after high school. So I went to work for this law firm when I was a junior in high school. And it really set the tone for the rest of my career, and I know that that sounds really crazy when you're 17, 16, 17 years old, where you have an experience that really sets the tone for the rest of your career. But what I loved about that experience was seeing how this solo practitioner was a uh, kind of a beacon in his community. You know, he was very well respected. Everybody knew him. He'd walk down the street. Everyone Um, had a kind word to say about him, involved in different organizations, Rotary Club, um, the bar, obviously, of his community. He was into biking. He was really into physical fitness. Uh, He always had a really interesting hobby. And the thing that I thought was really neat is he left work every day at 4 o'clock to go engage in those hobbies. That's the dream. That's the dream. He was living the dream. And what was really cool about what he did, too, was he owned the little house that he practiced out of. It was a little clapboard I guess it would be craftsman style house. 
up on a hill, and then he purchased the land next to his house, and then he purchased the land next to that land. And so I, I said he was playing Monopoly with the street that he lived on or that he worked on. So at a young age, I had what I didn't realize was a mentor at the time, because when you're 17 years old and you have a 40 to 45-year-old man who's doing something completely you know, different than what you've ever seen before, it's hard to say that he was a mentor. But by osmosis, it really sunk in that, okay, this is what kind of, this is what being a lawyer is. That's kind of neat. You know, he gets to help people. Now he did criminal and domestic and I saw how challenging that could be. But, you know, he got to live his life on his terms and really used his law firm as an engine for creating other sources of wealth. And so when I went off to college, I thought, well, man, maybe law school and the laws where I, sh- I might want to end up, and so I took that path and ended up going to William and Mary, and then Wake Forest for law school, and then moved down to Charlotte after school. Started out doing insurance defense, which was great. Got a lot of great trial experience. Learned workers' comp, which is my industry now. Um, learned how to do it on the defense side, which is great to basically have what are now my opponents teach me. <laughs> you know what it is they know. Learn the secret sauce, so to speak. Um, have insurance adjuster clients was also very valuable. I knew deep down though that I was not a defense attorney. I knew that I wanted to have a have more control over my day and have more control over my client selection. So um, an opportunity arose after two years to go uptown and work at a larger law firm uptown, you know, and do the whole parking in a parking garage and taking an elevator up to the 20th floor and, you know, wearing fancy clothes and all of that stuff. So I, I had that experience. And as a young associate, I think I was three years in, there really weren't a lot of business development opportunities at that time. And I felt really stifled. Um, not that the people who I worked with weren't great, but I think it was just the nature of the business. It was more corporate litigation, employment law. It was a lot of brief writing, a lot of consulting work. And it really never gave me the juice that I saw, I guess, when I was a teenager, where you had you know, the characters of the world coming in and out of your firm and having more control of your day-to-day. So I, I knew deep down that wasn't a real good fit either. Um, and you know, really the the most instrumental thing happened to me. I got fired from that firm in 2002, I believe. 2000, yeah, it was 2002. And it was a really hard thing to take because I had never been told I wasn't good enough or smart enough or not, not, I was never told that people didn't want me around. And so when I was fired, I was like, what? You're firing me? I can't believe it. And it was an ego blow for sure, and I was upset for sure, but I can't sit here and tell you I was upset to leave the job because I knew it wasn't the right job for me. And I realized that the law allows everybody an opportunity to find where they fit in it. And the first two jobs I had were super valuable. The first job, learning how to practice workers' comp from the other side was super valuable from a skill level. And then working uptown was super valuable because I saw, I scratched that itch. I saw what that was all about. And I realized that, okay, I don't, I don't really fit there either. So getting fired wasn't a failure. I call it failing forward. It was a forward movement that maybe some would have taken as a failure, but I really took as a sign that it was time to really go to where I needed to be. And so I kind of went back to my roots and thought about when I was a kid and 
working at that law firm, I was like, you know what, this is the time. It feels right. I'm, you know, I don't have any real obligations. I wasn't married, didn't have children at the time, still don't have children, still not married. But <laughs> it seemed like, uh, you know, it was a good time in that I didn't have to consider other people in making my career decision. I could really do what was best for me kind of deep down. So I ended up going into that model that with, with that small law firm background that I'd saw as a kid and ended up with a partner. We had met each other at my old law firm that doing insurance defense and he had started his own plaintiff's practice. So we partnered up and that lasted, I think about two years. Again, really nice guy. I learned a lot of good stuff about running a business. Our practices didn't really have a lot of synergy. He did a lot of criminal work. And again, I was really at this point decided I was going to be a workers' comp attorney. Now, when you got into that partnership, what, if any, like information or knowledge on business development had you gathered to that point? None. <laughs> I would say when I was an insurance defense attorney, I had more work than I could handle because the partners were just feeding it to me. And, and that's really not the truth. We would have client development parties for insurance adjusters. But when you're an insurance defense attorney, your client pool is very limited. It really is a, a pool of adjusters and every other insurance defense firm in, in the city is trying to court and market to the same folks. And, and really, that wasn't playing to my strengths. My strengths are, well, I guess that's not true. Insurance, insurance adjusters are people too. Um, <laughs> but when I, when I talk about playing to my strengths, you know, what I really think that has helped me very much uh, doing what I do now is the ability to talk to a wide range and variety of people. And um, client development in that insurance defense world is pretty limited in the type of person who you're courting. You know, it's a it's a corporate off or a corporate person. It's somebody who doesn't have that much authority. They have the authority to send you a file, but they don't have the authority to set your rates or really give you a greater scope of work. So it was a more limited pool. And then when I was uptown as an associate, I really didn't have any opportunities to meet the clients who we who we were doing work for you know I was really putting the I I don't want to say I was put aside because that's saying it wrongly I was given tasks that were not client inclusive meaning they were back end tasks that still needed to be done but were not really requiring face-to-face interaction with clients so to the extent I did any marketing, it was honestly hanging out with my other lawyer friends. That's really how I started marketing myself was basically commiserating with the other attorneys my age who were in the same position. But that kind of evolved when I went to the small practice, um, my third job out of law school This with this other partner. You know, he provided a safety net. I had a very small salary. I went from making six figures to making thirty. $35,000 a year, something like that. You know, I still had student, still, you know, at this point had a lot of student loans. You know, I didn't come from a family that could support me. So to take a big leap down 60 some percent pay cut in order to do it, I had to make it work because fail, failure was not an option. You know, there's failing forward and getting fired and having a better opportunity, but I could not fail to have a firm that would thrive. So I had to go hit, hit the streets, so to speak. And that's what I did. I hit the streets. <laughs> so nice. I went to every bar meeting, every organizational meeting. Um, I put it out. We had a listserv. I started really participating very vocally on the listserv, trying to answer any questions I could, asking any questions I could, really starting to make a name for myself personally as a workers' comp 
attorney. You know, I felt that I needed to brand myself into one direction and that I, I enjoyed workers' comp. And on the plaintiff side, it really did give me that ability to, to talk to the people and have all those characters that I'd seen growing up come through my door. So I did enjoy that piece of it. But the marketing definitely fell to me to, to really go out and, and get the clients, not wait for them to find me, but to go find them. And the way I did that really was lawyer to ro- lawyer to lawyer referrals. I felt that if I could market to other lawyers and I go to places where other workers' comp attorneys aren't, like the family law Christmas party and the criminal law functions, that if I'm the only workers' comp attorney in the room, then I might get that referral when one of those types of lawyers you know, ran across a case. Sure. One of the things that stood out to me early is I feel like after I met you and got to know you, I saw you everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, everywhere. Yeah, for any sure. event I went to, I'm like, oh, there's Anne Marie, which yeah. was nice because yeah. there was always somebody there that I would know. But did you have a process for identifying events that would be a good use of your time? And what was that like? That's a really good question. So when I was younger, no, I just went to everything. And I'm a really social person, too. I get a lot of joy and satisfaction. I find it fun to go to these things. You know, my personality type lend itself lends itself well to that kind of personal networking because I think it's fun. You know, if you're the type of person who's an introvert or who really gets exhausted by being in a big group of people, I can see why my approach maybe wouldn't be the best approach for you. But for me, I enjoyed it. And quite honestly, I had a lot of friends in the criminal arena. A lot of my friends were misdemeanor DAs, so I would hang out with them all the time and get to know all the criminal lawyers. I had a lot of family law friends, so I would hang out with them. So for me, networking was just a a subsection of my social life anyway. Um, Again, because I didn't have that family responsibility, I really could spend a lot of, you know, nights and weekends out with other lawyers kind of having fun, but still getting your name out there and being present and being known. Sure. And hanging out with a number of attorneys that are outside your practice area had to be good for generating referral networks. Absolutely. So I quickly became the workers' comp attorney in my circle of friends. And so whenever there was somebody who needed a workers' comp question asked, I was always willing to ask questions or, I'm sorry, answer questions for other people in my subject area. In fact, I would go down and do speeding tickets for favors, and I certainly don't do that anymore. And every time I would go down the courthouse to handle a speeding ticket, somebody's like, oh, yeah, Maria, I have a comp question. I'm glad I ran into you. And so that's really how I, I ended up doing speeding tickets just to have an excuse to go down to the courthouse sometimes. To do a little networking To down go there. do a little networking down there. Exactly. So by answering other questions and becoming, somebody called me a thought leader. Like, oh, it's great that you're such a thought leader in the community. I thought, man, that's a really nice compliment to be a thought leader. So I really tried to, to take that and run with it and, you know, be available to people, you know, take their phone calls, answer their emails, answer listserv questions. In fact, I would run into folks and say, oh, you know, I've never met you in person, but I saw you, you, you know, your answers on the listserv, and I really appreciate your, you know, taking time to answer those questions. And so I think your reputation can kind of precede you a little bit. So that's how I started. And then um, two years after I went into partnership, that partnership ended, um, and it ended amicably. Again, we were kind of going in two different directions from a from a practice standpoint. So I continued to focus on workers' comp. Um, in 2005, I you know, left that practice, started my own practice, shared space with Linda Klein uh, down on 7th Street, and just started 
you know, building on that network again. Um, I didn't have the safety net of a partner or a salary anymore. But, you know, I knew what I needed to do to make it work. So the first thing I did was get the list from Mecklenburg County Bar of all the attorneys in Charlotte. And I literally did an announcement, you know, I'm graciously accepting workers' comp referrals. So I marketed it to other workers' comp attorneys, basically saying I'm the new kid on the block. There's nothing too small that I won't do in the world of workers' comp. And then I make sure to refer out things I don't do. So I would kind of get credit for it. So, you know, refer out the criminal and the family or real estate or whatever. And and make sure, you know, hey, you know, this this person's going to call you if you ever have a comp question. You know, I'm here to, to help y'all, you know, out if you have any clients who need that. So there was a good sort of symbiotic relationship there, um, kind of an old school way of starting to build your practice. But again, I, I really focused on other lawyers versus the public. You know, I didn't go billboards, television ads, that sort of thing. I, I did the peer-to-peer networking. And that's when I started speaking And I think speaking is a really big part of career development. Um, And I know it's funny that a lot of lawyers don't like to speak, which is kind of ironic. But, you know, you you can't get good at it unless you do it. So I started just writing on whatever topic I found interesting. Or maybe if I had a case that involved a weird issue and I had to research it, I just turned that research into a little white paper and then, you know, gave, gave a CLE on it. And there are multiple opportunities across organizations to give CLEs. Everybody wants speakers, and so that wasn't a hard thing to to get into. But once I started speaking, that's really when I felt that my name recognition really took off on a more statewide level yeah, versus so, versus just a Charlotte-based network. Yeah, it sounds like you were kind of building that safety net out almost. That's exactly right. I started in Charlotte with my law school friends, really my law school friends and people who I knew, and then built it out as I got more proficient in my subject matter, built it out among my workers' comp peers around the state. One of the things I've heard you say before that always stuck with me is you kind of had, you said you have two jobs. You had your law firm mm-hmm. job, so you had your nine to five and your five to nine. That's right. That's right. And I would say networking is still working. Yeah. One of the things I always remember, I moved a few years ago and I pulled out a business card holder that mm-hmm. I hadn't seen in years. I thought it was gone. And because when I got, when I first started working at my first job, I got this fancy little business card holder mm-hmm. and all that. And I pulled it out and I opened it up and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this in so long. And the first card on top was your card. Oh, wow. And it was, I hadn't seen that thing since long before we were friends. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, in that moment, it just kind of had an impact on me. It was like, you know, I'd been in your presence, gotten your card like a, a good year before we oh, even developed any kind of relationship. And it really speaks to the value of being out there and making those relationships because we'd been creating our relationship long before we actually realized we were creating it. And, you know, and I think you make a good point. These relationships are organic. So when people say, oh, take somebody out to lunch, it's not take somebody out to lunch because you want to get a case from them next week. It's take them out to lunch because you're genuinely interested in learning about them as a person. And again, being Somebody who really likes people, that's very easy and fun for me. I enjoy meeting new people and enjoy talking to them about what they do. But it is funny that you had a business card. The one thing I will say about business cards that seems really obvious, but a lot of people don't do it, is to put what you do on your business card instead of what just your name and your firm name, you know, your, your name and then, you know, real estate attorney or workers' comp specialist or family law attorney. Because people, like you said, may pull it out years later and forget what it is that you do. Yeah. Or even maybe even who the face attached to it is like, who is this person? And if like, I do the same thing, if I pull it out and I see it and I'm like, I don't remember who it is. I'm not sure what they do. I'm probably going to toss it. Right. Cause I don't have any 
back up with it. Well, you just gave me a good idea. Maybe I should start putting my pictures on my business cards <laughs> like the real estate agents do, right? Yeah, they do that. I think yeah. that probably works well. We'll be right back after this short break. Hi, I'm Greg Hicks, and I'm the director of digital media here at the Mecklenburg County Bar. One of my passions is photography, and last year we thought it'd be a great idea to share that passion with bar members. So that's why all MCB members are eligible to receive professional headshots for you and your support staff as part of your membership. All it takes is a quick email to me at ghicks at mechbar.org, and we'll set up an appointment here at the Bar Center, or I'll come out to your firm if you have the space. So head to mechbar.org benefits to see all that the MCB has to offer. Thanks again for listening to The 26th, and I hope to hear from you soon. So when you open your new firm, you go from not just being a practicing attorney, but you become a business owner as well. Like, what were the challenges that you faced there? That's a really good question. So in 2005, when I started my law firm, you know, nobody teaches you how to run a business. I didn't go to business school. I went to law school. And law school is really bad about teaching the business of practicing law, quite honestly. They didn't even keep us out, teach us how to keep time in law school. So, you know, that's when you really have to study and you have to really get engaged with every facet of your business. And I think being a lawyer is super helpful because we already have, you know, reading skills where we can absorb information quickly. We have synthesis skills where we can put different types of pieces of information together. So you have to employ those skills and learn about marketing, search engine optimization, computer networking, all the things that it takes, accounting, accounting's a big one, taxes, it's not the money you make, it's the money you keep kind of thing. You know, all of these things, I just read and read and read and read. So I subscribe and I still to this day do this. I read the Lawyers Weekly magazine every week. I read the Charlotte Business Journal every week. I read the newspaper every day, um, the local newspaper every day. And so by doing, just keeping abreast of your community and what's going on, it really is super helpful. But in addition to that, you know, I read all the magazines. I read the bar newsletter. <laughs> you know, the bar's going to be happy to hear that. I read, you know, the, the, the trial magazines that come out for my organization, NCAJ. I read the AAJ magazine. So I take all of these resources and really try to compile them to not only be a better practitioner, but to find that little tidbit that makes me a better business person. And I often said I'm a business person who happens to practice law, not a lawyer who happens to own a business. And that doesn't mean that I'm scrimping and, you know, trying to screw my clients out of fees. You know, I still do the best I can for my clients and strive to provide high legal quality legal services. But, you know, client selection is very important. Thinking about the types of work that you're going to do, you know, workers comp is one of those practice areas where we have a hundred percent collectible rate. You know, I get a court order for my fees. That's a really great position to be in. So if you start thinking like a business person and that the law is a business, I think you have more opportunities to really be successful. And I don't make apologies for being a business person because if I were not a business person, I couldn't employ my paralegals. I couldn't employ my staff members. I couldn't really buy all the bells and whistles that make the cases better for my clients, like the really great legal research or the text messaging or the you know, really interesting kind of legal tools that we can put at our disposal if we didn't have those resources that come from running a business effectively. So it's it's interesting. Once you get the the business of the law down, then it really becomes an engine. You know, I often say too that my job isn't being a lawyer, my job is to retire and my law firm is a really big piece of that retirement puzzle. But the law firm can also act as an engine to 
produce other passive sources of income. So, you know, we don't, especially in workers' comp, which is so legislatively driven and it can be changed at the whim of the legislature, you really need to protect yourself against, you know, unforeseen things that happen in the law or the legal climate change. I often said I wanted to be a swift boat, not a uh, big tanker. So if the landscape changed, I could pivot pretty easily. So at the first opportunity I, I could get, I ended up buying a little office on uh, Monroe Road. It was down the street from the office that Linda and I shared together. And, you know, I still had student loans, you know, I still didn't have any family money or anything, but um, I did do the type of law that fortunately gives you an opportunity to get, you know, lump sums of money on a fairly regular basis. So once I got um, a $50,000 lump sum saved up, I was able to buy my first office building, and that was this little house on Monroe Road. And I used that house, paid it off as fast as I could, um, and then used the equity to buy the land next to my office. So it goes back to when I was a kid watching the lawyer play Monopoly, and that's what I wanted to do on Monroe Road. And of course, I did my research, and I saw that the east side of town was going to develop, and there's going to be a light rail coming in by 2030. So I knew it was going to be a good investment, a long, and a, a long-term investment. Some of my friends say, you know, you're really good at playing the long game. And I think that's what networking is and building a business is, is you do something today, you plant the seed today, and maybe 30 days from now, somebody will follow up with you on a case, or maybe 30 years from now, you have built some real estate that will appreciate. So, you know, you never know what you're doing today that can affect you tomorrow. But it was great when I, I bought the land next to my little office and ended up, I call it Barbie's dream office. I worked with an architect and designed. It was a really fun thought process to say, okay, if I could have anything in my office, what would it be? And I got to play with that idea and ended up building what I'm very proud of. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I ended up building this new white house Charleston style house on Monroe Road. And it really, I think, elevated my professional stature in the community after I did that. You know, people are like, oh, wow, you know, it's not just workers' comp. It is it is a business. And I think some people would say, well, I didn't realize workers' comp paid so well. And it's not that workers' comp paid so well. It's that how you parlay the money that you do make from whatever source you make it and make it work for you. And so in my case, I found a good opportunity in a developing part of town and and took it. But I used all the skills that I learned as a lawyer to really develop that piece of property and deal with the subcontractors and contracts. And of course, there were problems and overruns and all sorts of things that you would you would expect with construction. But at the end of the day, it's um, a really beautiful building. My city councilman comes by quite often and we have time together on the porch where we talk about, you know, things going on in the neighborhood. The neighborhood uses it for their community meetings. So I really felt that by being a business person and really getting into the the subject matter of what I do and honing in on one thing, I ended up creating a really nice community asset. And I think those things just build upon themselves. And so the physical presence of the building in and of itself is marketing and advertising. I'm not saying that everybody should go out and run and build a building, but I am saying that, you know, you can come from literally nothing like I did and and in 20 years have these things to show for it if done smartly. I think that's the important takeaway, too, is in 20 years. In 20 years. You have to be willing to play the long game. The long game. That's exactly right. None of this is easy. None of this is fast. It every everything we do, even the things that we think are failures, have purpose and meaning. They're building blocks that will get you to that long game. 
and then you know once the game is over then you think what's what's the next game um and so that's a kind of a fun thought process to think is okay when when I can financially retire, what does retirement look like? And I really think for me, retirement looks like continuing to practice law because I want to, not because I have to, not that I, you know, don't want to practice uh, now because I certainly do, but there's still that fire motivation, that fire in the belly that I still, you know, I I still need the, I still need a paycheck. And so that when the day comes that I can just do what I want to do because I want to give back and, and have fun doing it. That that's what retirement's going to be to me is is doing what you want to do on your own terms. And I think by building these businesses and taking the long term approach, that day will come sooner rather than later. Nice. And one of the things I'll say about the building is it is a swell place to throw a party. Uh, well, you know, it's funny that you should say the party. So everybody's known for their thing, right? I read Rich Bat, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kobayashi, and he said always pay your vendors on time and always be known for something. And so everybody was throwing a Christmas party. So I thought I'd throw a party um, at Cinco de Mayo because there's no pressure with Cinco de Mayo. It's just a party to have fun and drink some beer and eat eat some good Mexican food. So we became known or I became known as throwing a really good Cinco de Mayo party. And that in and of itself, again, was marketing and name recognition, brand building. You know, I'd suggest you get a logo and, you know, all the things that businesses do, logos, branding, building upon the brand, carrying that logo, even through in my new building, my paint scheme matches my logo. So the paint on my walls is literally the same color as the logo. So when you go into an office, those are all the things that feel cohesive and you're not sure why it feels so cohesive, but because it was all thought out and planned out. Yeah. Well, this has been an incredibly valuable conversation, and I won't keep you here all day. But before I let you go, how can the listeners contact you? Oh, sure. Um, still available, still ready, <laughs> willing to answer questions. Everybody needs to know about workers' comp. My number is 704 342 2243, or my email is AMP, as in Apple, M as in Mary, P as in Paul, at Group.com. I actually just went into partnership about a year ago with Rob and Bo Wilder, and it's been really great. Rob and I tried the case that actually led to me building my, being able to purchase my first little office building. So it's come full circle. And the, the last thing I'll really say is, you know, I had so many mentors along the way, but now it's really fun to be a mentor um, to others. My law partner, Bo, just became a certified specialist in workers' comp, and it's just really great to see him grow in his career and be there to to help support that. So. It's, it's been a great transition, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the next decade brings with this new partnership and this new building. So I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The 26th. Head to mechbar.org to hear more from this podcast, suggest future topics, and review member resources. 